Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the host that was surprised to find out that eggplants don't come from big chickens. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast, and I am your host, Brian Levine. It is going to be a fun show tonight because my, uh, well, first of all, in Pipe Parts, we have a Ask the Pipe Maker segment because we've got a flock of those to get through, and then my guest is the first guest I ever had on the show. We're having Michael Parks from uh, Canada back on the show to catch up with him and uh, fun to fun to reminisce and go all the way back seven years uh and remember in order to enjoy this show you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are so if you're not you know turn it off okay uh speaking of underage congratulations to john david cole who had a daughter this weekend and his life has now changed completely uh but uh, congratulations to them hope all is well I know he's going to take some time off and enjoy that. Uh, and remember, uh, it is uh, <laughs> the weather's getting nice outside, so make sure that you uh, get outside and get a chance to smoke your pipe and uh, do it in public wherever you can. Let people see what a uh, what a pipe smoker looks like. Uh, we'll have more information in the mailbag, so but we got a lot to get through in this show. So let's get the show rolling. Everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn, or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us again for another Ask the Pipe Maker segment is Jeff Grasick of J. Allen Pipes. Jeff, this one this one's got me peaked because this is a question from Fred Berger, who is a who is a collector of note and uh, has been around the game for a while. So before before yeah. I pose the question, tell give me give us a little more background on Fred. Sure, uh, you know Fred is a, um, a collector here in based here in San Diego, um, and he's been collecting pipes since gosh since he was uh, in medical school or maybe even in college. Um, so it's been been a few years, a few decades. Um, Fred has just a beautiful collection of pipes, uh, everything from, uh, you know, his, uh, from, do you know the, the polymer, uh, the pipe pipes? Yep. Yep. Um, he has those all the way up to Teddy Knudsen's Bone Nord. Uh, he's just got a, a really expansive, uh, collection and it's eclectic. He's not one of these collectors who, um, only collects billiards or only collects um, a particular kind of finish. Um, whatever kind of piques his interest, uh, he will uh, he will purchase. And he's a just a great guy, wealth of knowledge, and uh, a good friend of mine. And if I remember right, he smokes all of his pipes too. 
He does. He does. He's one of the uh, the collectors who doesn't buy just to look at them. He he buys them to smoke them. Yeah. So here's his question: uh, How bad and what types of faults compel you to blast a pipe versus making it smooth? Yeah, yeah. That's a really good question. Um, you know, there are, gosh, there are a lot of reasons that uh, I'll choose to blast a pipe. Um, you know, it's not always even a fault that will that will uh, lead me to, to blast a pipe. Say, for instance, um, I finish up a pipe. I thought the grain was going to turn out um, better than it did. And the grain is just not all that impressive. Now, you know, a lot of pipe makers would choose to finish any pipe that can be finished smooth. They'll finish it smooth. And that totally makes sense for, um, you know, within the context of that, uh, that particular pipe maker. I, I don't define everybody else's standards, only my own. Um, for me, at my price point, I choose to uh, finish pipes smooth only if I really think that the grain is beautiful. Um, and that typically means that the, you know, the orientation is correct, that there are no gaps in the briar or in, in the grain. Um, and so often, you know, I'll have a perfectly smooth, flawless, uh, or a pipe that's, that's perfectly flawless and could indeed be finished smooth, but I'll choose to sandblast it because it'll make a better sandblast than it will a smooth. I'm in the business not only of making pipes, but also selling them and a sandblast, uh, will always sell better than a mediocre smooth. Yeah, um, and so that's just a financial decision. And is, so, when you do that, automatically at that at that decision point, you know that you're probably not going to be able to sell the pipe for as much money, right? At, at, even if it was a smooth with a bald spot in it, right? Yes, yes. So, well, you know that that's not true. I mean, if if uh, in theory I could sell a you know a smooth pipe with a bald spot for more than a sandblast, but it would just, you know, you, it's not a quality, it's, it's a quality issue as well. It's not a pipe that I want to really have out there in the world. Um, and I, you know, I want my, the people who are, are spending their hard earned money on my work, um, to love what they buy from me and not look at a pipe and go, ah, you know, I bought that, but I don't really know why. Now, if it if that pipe has odd grain or a bald spot or something that something that triggered you to not make it a smooth, is it going to blast out with really good tight ring grains, or is, or is it going to have kind of a wishy washy pattern on the blasting as well? You know, um, I in theory I would have thought that uh, you know years ago that there would be. It, there would be a lot of evidence in the in the uh, the pattern of the grain of the the growth rings, but that is not always true. Um, a lot of times, you know, you especially if you if you sandblast and stain a pipe dark, and you're just looking at the texture, you would have very little, if any, evidence of uh, the fact that that it's bald there, because um, the growth rings will continue. It's not like the pipe didn't grow that year. It's just that there's some kind of some event or some kind of issue that occurred with within the growth um that caused the grain to be broader there so the um, so let me back up a minute so the grain mm -hmm. in the pipe and the growth rings in the pipe are two different components of the wood 
Yeah, that's right. So okay. if you think about um, think about the burl growing under the ground like a baseball, and right at the uh, and it's a baseball where there's like a tree branch growing right through the middle. So if you imagine like a baseball where you've like hammered a nail through it, um, that is kind of how the burl grows underground. So if you think about the baseball at the center of it, there's typically a a hard core like cork or something like that. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. And then around the outside of it, you've got something, um, it's, I, I'm not sure if it's rubber bands or whatever, like a golf ball is, but there's something wrapped around it. And then there's an outer layer, uh, it, the it, leather. It depends if Sammy Sosa or Mark McGuire are hitting the ball. <laughs> I think that's the inside of the bat, isn't it? No, both. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so the, if you imagine those wrappings around that core, so the, the core of the briar is also bald, kind of like the inside, the core of a baseball. And then you have these wrappings around the outside that are put on layer by layer. It's just wrapped around until it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, it's similar for, um, for briar. You have layer upon layer upon layer. Every year, a new layer of, of uh, growth occurs. And those are what you're seeing in the growth rings. There's a hard layer and a soft layer and a hard layer and a soft layer okay. um, represented by the, um, the, grow, the, uh, this, the growing seasons. And so sometimes you'll look at a sandblast and you'll see, wow, there, you, there are two really, really narrow ones and then three really big ones. And that, you know, those were um, years with less water and years with more water, I would presume. Yeah. So that's... The the the, uh, the growth rings run around the core in the same direction as the core and the um, the exterior of the burl. So if we imagine a baseball again, they're spherical, right? And they radiate out from the the uh, middle. Yeah. But the grain is would be running from the core directly to the outside, as if you were to um, you know have a have some straws if. You, I'm, I'm moving to a different analogy now. Yeah, no, but it, it, they um, they kind of come out like the like the arteries coming out of the heart of the burl, radiating exactly. out and bringing water out to the outermost part yeah. of the right, or like yeah. spokes on a on a car wheel. Yeah. All right. So to to go back to to go back to Fred's question, then so mm -hmm. it, so it's not only you know for you in particular, it's is the grain good enough to be a smooth. And then, then you run into the problem of, you know, like sand pits and oddities like yeah. that. And I'm imagining from your standpoint, if there's a sand pit, forget it. We're, we're blasting it. I don't care how big it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, uh, so the, the, the initial answer I gave was, you know, it wasn't about faults, but there are obviously um, sand pits that you'll find in Briar. Sometimes you find cracks in Briar. Those are unusable. Yeah. Um, sometimes you find um, cavities. Um, where it, it's, it looks like the bark that you would find if you've ever seen a block of briar, there's a bark on the outside of it and it's a similar texture to the bark, but it, it exists on the inside. Yeah. And I have found cavities that you, I could fit my thumb into. And that's where uh, the little briar gnomes live and you wake them up yeah, when you find yeah, exactly. them. Yeah, exactly. We don't like discovering briar gnomes. No. So, and then, and then of course, and this might be a subject for another question down the road, mm -hmm. but. You know, there are some pipe makers that will fill a certain size pit or something yeah. like that and make it disappear. 
And there's other pipe makers that don't do that at all. And that's always been a huge controversy and, you know, probably one that, you know, at at the end of the day, who cares if the pipe looks good and you enjoy it and it smokes well and you're, and you've got the money for it, buy it and stop looking at the little, stop looking at it through a magnifying glass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, most pipe makers who I know, most of the, the, um, younger generation under 40, I would say, um, if a collector asks them about fills or, you know, imperfections in pipes would be happy to point them out. Um, because we want the collector to be informed. We don't, personally, I want full disclosure. I don't have any secrets. Uh, but that wasn't necessarily true for the older generation where that was seen as a trade secret or, um, perhaps like a hidden indication of a, uh, a lack of quality. And I just don't think we, at least most of the collectors with whom I engage uh, don't think of it like that. If you want to hear Jeff and I pontificate over that more, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and we'll put that on the list for future stuff. So, Jeff, thank you very much. Fred Berger, thank you very much for your question. Say goodbye, Jeff. Goodbye, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe. Just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and this is, you know, it, this is going to be a lot of fun because uh, it was seven years ago when uh, when the show started, and almost seven years ago to the date was my first guest on the Pipes Magazine radio show, uh, pipe maker, Canadian pipe maker. You, you you don't just make Canadian pipe shapes. You make pipes and you live in Canada. Uh, but Michael Parks, welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here again. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I'm, you know, when we first started the show, I was sitting there thinking, really? How, you know, seven years would this last that long? Well, <laughs> Here I am still doing the show, and uh, here you are still making pipes, and that's your full-time living, right? It is. Still making pipes, yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's been going on with you in the last seven years? Anything new? (laughs) Anything new? Uh, Oh, went through a whole period of focusing mostly on classic shapes, and uh, these days, I'm actually deviating or branching out again, going back into some more sculptural stuff. I used to mess around with that stuff a lot uh, over 10 years ago. 
I guess, blowfish and anything sculptural, just call it a blowfish, say. <laughs> and I'm getting back into that a bit these days. So that's kind of a fun, it's a, a fun uh, oh, experiment, a work in progress or something, fun challenge too. That's it, fun challenge. Do I remember a pipe of yours that looked like a pyramid and then you maybe made one that also looked like uh, looked like a bat? Yeah, you do. You do. I did one for someone who was from Mexico, the um, Yucatan Peninsula region, and I did the the Chitsun Itza. (laughs) I did that with with the the steps, and then the color scheme was red, white, and green for the Mexican flag. Yeah, that was one. And there were some bat pipes. Incidentally, I will be working on a bat pipe for uh, for a client um, this this winter, although this one's going to be a dark night dark night pipe so we're we're cooking up some interesting stuff um you know you're familiar <laughs> with nate king of course yeah yep nate king has used before these really wild levitating tables some of his creative pieces works and uh so i've got him to hook me up and uh, i'm gonna use a levitating table so some sort of like piece of slate i'm thinking with the levitating unit in there and we'll get the uh the dark night pipe hovering and, and rotating above this table. So it's like, the, you know, the car in the bat cave or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. But let, let's go back to you talking about the classic shape. So why the, um, you know, you, well, first of all, you would, you know, you do one of the best representations of just classic English shapes. You know, that I've seen you do a Dunhill LC and, LB like nobody else's business. Uh, but why do you think, why do you think you got interested in just kind of focusing in the classics for a while? I think it was, it's twofold. Um, on, on one hand, the pipes themselves, uh, they're, they're really beautiful, right? The symmetry, they're really, they're, they're the, the designs that have stood the test of time, you know, because they look good and because they smoke well. So, so there's, there's that. And I really began, began to, uh, I really just appreciated that, that design. And I guess maybe it's kind of the same reason. I, I ended up with a lot of requests for that kind of stuff. And, and the way I work, I often am making pipes for people. Most often I'm making pipes for people. And it was most often people were requesting classic shapes. So, so it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that you just get really good at doing the classics. I think so. I think so. I've made a lot of billiards, you know. Yeah. Now, and let's go back again because you, most of your work is done on commissions, and you've got what a couple year, kind of like a couple year backlog of requests now. Uh, I when people order. I tell them 10 to 12 months approximately. And actually the 12 month marker seems to be pretty good. You know, I have, uh, I have some guys that order regularly two pipes a year. That's I have a group of guys for whom I make pipes, say one at Chicago uh, and then the other would be for Christmas or a birthday. And then I have new orders that come in and fit in between. And yeah, it, it ends up being about 12, 10 to 12 months. Sometimes I can squeak them a little earlier uh, if I can group shapes together. Um, but usually 10 to 12 months. That, and that doesn't, so from, from talking to other pipe makers, they, 
you know, and in each one of each pipe maker is a unique individual. I mean, there's a reason why you guys like working with wood and working in workshops by yourself and and, and doing that. Dude, so, yeah. yeah, you're you're special people. Um, having a commission list like that doesn't frustrate you, and you're and doesn't kind of like restrict your artistic freedoms. Not too much. Sometimes it's a challenge. Um, especially when you compound a certain shape at a certain size and then a certain finish, especially smooths. If somebody wants a, a smooth and then in a certain color, you know, say a lighter or a medium to lighter color, it can take, I, you know, I, I for example, I, I almost always use three blocks for a smooth. I'll take a whole pile of blocks and then sort through and choose my favorites back about six blocks. So when one, two, and three, those are the ones I'm really working with. And uh, usually the smooth that I'm looking for, I'd often, I'll I'll have to drill and rough out at least one extra bowl. So usually it's two to three blocks for for the right smooth. That can be frustrating, especially if I ever ended up in a situation where I didn't have the wood in stock and on hand. and, you know, and I guess it's tricky, too, because as you're working with it, the pipe, it's a natural material, right? And so, yeah. well, you can get, like, little flaws. Even though the block looks perfect, there can be a little flaw that'll show up. Well, if I'm just working on my own for my own, you know, or just making whatever I feel like, then then I can just work with that, you know, as far as I can take it. But uh, that also means I have to set it aside and it won't be applicable for you know i can't try to i have to make sure that the finished product is what my guy wants so it's it's a tricky game that way so the those other ones that uh, the ones that you're shaping out and hoping to get a smooth out of and then they, and then they don't work out then you have to sandblast them do you have somebody else lined up waiting for hopefully for a sandblast of the same shape that the other guy wanted a smooth of you know, honestly, I'll take what I can get. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm in it to sell pipes, right? So, yeah, yeah, I do. I think, like, sometimes sometimes the um, the original client, he, he may want the sandblast as well. I'll let him know. Um, other times I'll have, if it's depending on the shape, I'll have, I'll know that there are a few people who really like that kind of pipe. And, and they don't really like placing long-term orders either. So I kind of try to maintain a list like that as well. And I'll just let them know that there's something that I could work on for them. Um, and then also, of course, smoking pipes, my retailer. I'll, uh, I need to send them stock uh, from time to time so I can, I can use stuff like that and then make it into something I want. And that's, uh, that, that goes along with the other stock that I'll choose to send them. <laughs> and then you, I guess you've also got to have a fairly good supply of briar on hand and, and, and have it there ready for you. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been focusing that on that a lot the last uh, few years, the last, oh, I'm not sure, half dozen years, say. I've been really trying to buy more briar than I use every year. And then, you know, I get it home. I actually, I buy it from at the Chicago show. I, are you familiar with uh, Claudio and Francesca from uh, Nano? Yeah, yep. Nano Briar, and uh, they're located in Tuscany. And 
you know, I've used wood from other mills, and a lot of the wood's amazing. There's a lot of great wood out there. It just so happens that they seem to be the ones I deal with the most. And, and yeah, so I'll buy wood from them at the show, and, and then I'll get it home and uh, do a quick sanding on the block so I can see them. And, uh, and then I, I grade it and sort it just loosely, you know, but, but still this block goes in that bin and this block goes in that bin. One's maybe, you know, there's Canadian bins and maybe something unusual like a saucer Eskimo bin or, and then really good, clean, clean wood that goes in a separate bin too. And I write clean on it. And then do you let your blocks age when you've got them at home for a while or if you, or do you just grab one if you need it right away? Well, I'm always trying to let the wood age as much as possible. Um, and it depends too how it comes in as well. You know, I can say just for example, the wood that I got this year at the mill, uh, or from the mill at Chicago this May, it was super dry. It was, uh, excellent. You could just, you can feel it, you know, you can feel the, the dampness, the cool and the extra weight. You can feel it in the block and then you can see it sometimes too, just the way it reacts when you sand it. And so I don't have an exact year, but I really do like prefer to have some years on the blocks if possible. And that's just money sitting around and, uh, you know, so you're stockpiling blocks of wood. I was stockpiling tobacco for the last 10, 12 years. <laughs> I think you've invested better than I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you can you can make pipes out of your uh, out of your blocks and then buy food. I can't eat tobacco, and no, I'm not selling okay. any to eat. So, <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah, uh, we're gonna take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more with Michael Parks. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell & Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf. Each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, catching up with Michael Parks, my my first guest, and that was with the old audio, the old audio equipment, and the old computer and everything. Boy, it's, uh, um, you know, I, I, you know, really, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show seven years ago because we recorded the interview before anybody had heard the show, and you just took a huge leap of faith and said yeah i'll let this guy record me and see what comes up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i could have killed you um or ruined your career but apparently uh you know the, let me ask you this because you're one of the few guys that 
I can talk to that is, you know, been a full-time pipe maker for how many years now? I'm not totally sure. I've officially lost count. I think, uh, let's just say 15. Yeah. And I usually gauge it off of Chicago's. I think I've done 15 in a row and I missed one. And that's because I stayed home to go on a date with the woman that's now my wife. (laughs) Not a bad investment there. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. 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 All right. So what do you think? I mean, in the, uh, let me put this into context. In the seven years that I've been doing the show, I've had some people on the show that were making pipes then and have kind of dropped off the face of the earth. And, you know, I've had some, uh, some people that were going to go full time as pipe makers. Now they just do it kind of part time or when they, get the urge to do it. Um, why do you think you've been able to make a go of it as a full-time pipe maker? I think part of it is, um, is when I started, uh, I, I started before the real, real boom, if you want to call it of, uh, newer artisan carvers. So I, I was one of the new artisan carvers, but there really weren't as many of us around them, you know, yeah. um, Todd, uh, Brad, and just those ones off the top of my head or a few like that was even Jeff. Jeff was there. And so that was at the very beginning, really. And uh, that's good. You know, I was able to start establishing my name and my pipes earlier on. And and time helps. I think the other reason and and a real big one why I've been able to continue making pipes is is because I I make pipes. I make them uh, their commissions, their commission requests. So they're I'm making guys what they want and girls too. But really I think the number (laughs) of women I've made pipes for in the last 15 years could count on two hands. So the guys, you know, they, uh, I make them what they want. And I think they really appreciate that. I I go, I work as hard as possible to get them what they want, you know, size, shape, finish, all of it. And, And color. And apparently the customers like what they're getting because you've got people that want two pipes a year from you. I, I do. I've got a, a group of regular buyers and it seems they like the routine as well. You know, the ones who don't mind ordering and then, and then waiting. Um, and, and the ones of course, who've been with me for a long time, they don't have to wait as long, but uh, they like the routine. I guess they know that they're going to get what they're dreaming of. So I try, I try my hardest to achieve that. Yeah. And you very rarely see a Michael Parks pipe on the estate market, so they must be hanging on to it. Um, and and I'll, uh, I'll I'll toot your horn for you because uh, Chuck Stanion told me that you know some of his favorite pipes are ones that you've made, and he's kind of adjusted his collection to add more of your pipes to it. So yeah, you, you got some people with some street creds that are uh, that are uh, supporting you there. That's fabulous. Chuck's a great guy. He's an even better guy now. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, plus, you you just opened up your uh, your workshop and garage and home to the uh, Toronto Pipe Club and with the annual barbecue. So <laughs> not only do you make pipes, you also make a home for a pipe club. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> 
I think uh, my friend Eric, he's the uh, the president of the Toronto Pipe Club, and he describes the barbecue as the premier pipe event in Canada for the year, which <laughs> actually, I don't know if it's totally fair. I know the guys in Vancouver have an amazing Christmas bash that I got to go to one time. Regardless, he calls ours our premier event, and then he usually follows it up with the joke, actually, it's the only event. Uh, you know? <laughs> and. And the food is good, you know. Eric did a pulled pork this year and homemade coleslaw and potato salad and these Portuguese tarts he brings. You know, free lunch for everybody. They love it, you know. And and with the uh, with the price of tobacco in Canada, the pork is cheap compared to it. Yes. Yes, it absolutely is. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the other thing you've got coming up, you want to talk about your little uh, your little design project? Yeah, yeah, I, got my, I have a, a collaboration with Brigham Pipes coming up, so I'm really excited about that. Um, Brigham approached me, and uh, we agreed it should be a natural fit that I could work with them to design something, a, an, art, an artisan or craftsman line. Um, although I don't know that it'll be a line, sorry, more like just a single design, but a specialty launch, a specialty pipe. And uh, so, yeah, we're working. It's, uh, it's still a little confidential at this point. You know, it hasn't been launched yet. Um, although look for that in the future next year, there'll be something. So that, that, that's kind of fun to have, uh, have a Canadian pipe company come to you as a Canadian and you get to work together. You know, it's actually kind of incredible. Um, when I was a boy at my grandfather's, like he smoked Brigham's. That's what he smoked. It's, it's really, uh, it's a bit of a trip really. Yeah. <laughs> Coming full circle in a lot of ways. It's cool. Yeah. Um, what else is, what else is going on in your life? Anything besides being married and making pipes all day long? What else is going on? Oh, I've taken to shooting sporting clays a bit. It's funny, you know, like all you guys are in this for the hobby of pipes and tobaccos, but it's my business. So yeah, (laughs) my, and I don't golf. So I started to shoot sporting clays. I haven't started competitively yet. Although I, I actually may, I may join a league and, I really like getting out and shooting the gun. And if you're familiar with sporting clays, it's uh, the shotgunning when you uh, walk the you walk a course and they have stations set up and the the throwers are different. It's a hoot, man. It's I just love shooting the gun, blasting off 150 rounds or something. And can you do that during the winter time, or is that just a fair weather kind of sport? Preferably fair weather. You know, <laughs> yeah, you can get out in the winter, but you know, you know. <clears throat> Yeah. So, and then of course in the fall, um, I do a bit of hunting in the fall. Uh, not a lot, but I get out when I can. I like to do, uh, we go grouse hunting here. There's lots of nice spots to go upland hunting and hike around. You you want some geese? We got plenty of yours. No, those are ours. We we sent them down. No. I'm pretty sure they're, they're those are the ones called Canada, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, you can have them back. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all Canadian people, every Canadian person I've ever dealt with, well, except for maybe two, um, are all polite and and very pleasant to be around. The Canadian geese are not. <laughs> they're just rude, and they're loud. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and they poop wherever they want to be. They're downright dangerous in the parks, too. Holy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'd imagine you guys are getting the snows as well. I'm good. See, where I am in Ontario, we have Canadian geese everywhere. 
and I saw the first snow geese I've seen ever uh, last winter. You familiar with, do you get the snow? I'm not sure where they migrate to. I think it's kind of both east and west, like over Quebec Way and then over into the prairies, headed south. There's massive flocks of snow geese. We're sending those to you as well. Yeah, no, we get the gray, dirty ones that just like to yell at you. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Try and heckle your kids in the park. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, going back to pipes. So with with a classic-shaped pipe, I'm assuming that you're drilling the bowl first and and getting the airway done first, and then you, and then you go back and do the shaping. But uh, are there times when you might shape first and then drill second mm. this year uh yes but only rarely and, and actually only just starting say this year really i um working on uh, some blowfish and uh, i created a blowfish set for someone and the way i approached it was well actually first i went and researched all my favorite blowfish pipes i could find from all my peers out there and just to see the little things that i like the most about them and, uh, and then I took a number of blocks that I thought were good and just started sanding them. I literally took a whole week and did this. It was great fun. You know, I got, and I just, just went with them. Some of them got whittled down to these little nubs, which you can't even imagine how a pipe would fit in there. And I don't know, <laughs> that's just going, it gets tossed out, but a number of them turned out pretty good. Um, so from that point, those bowls, I have to drill by hand, but even still, you know, I've had, my friend Adam Davidson, mm-hmm. he was showing me how to uh, how he drills by hand, and, and I know a lot of the guys do as well. And I got to be honest, it terrifies me a little bit. I swear I'm going to break my wrist or something. I'll, I'm just, and I just can't seem to get what I want from it. So I take the the bowl that I've shaped, and then I'm gluing it onto a piece of wood, which I'm I'm, I'm flattening that surface, that 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 plank of wood on the bottom. I'll flatten that, and I'll glue wood on the sides, and I actually create a block back out of it where I can draw <laughs> some lines on the side and then do my drilling on the drill press. Wow. <laughs> that seems, seems like a couple extra steps in there. It, you know, but for me, it's just what I'm comfortable with and it's, it's just how I like to work. Um, so it's like an extra two hours, maybe about two hours. Like once I get down there, it's about two hours to kind of, go backwards and, and have the lines mapped on the side of the block, but it's really effective. So it works. And, you know, it's not something I do a lot of, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> and when, when you're doing these commissions for these guys, are you, I mean, are you working within like a quarter inch of what they wanted or yeah, a half inch of their dimensions? Or are you trying to nail their dimensions dead on? Oh, I would say pretty dead on. Okay, the bowfish, that's that's different. You know, yeah. you, you can't really, you know, you can't request something that's a dream. <laughs> you know, like, like that type. It just, you can't. It's, it has to do, there has to be some flexibility or variability with the wood and the shape. But, uh, oh man, those classic pipes, yeah. Yeah, my favorite rulers, I have like three of them in the shop, little tables. They've all got uh, 30 seconds on them. So I'm, mind you, you know, guys, guys don't request it a 30 seconds because they probably wouldn't really know anyways, but usually it's, it's, they'll, we'll decide on a bowl size or a length. And then I will, I will work to, to replicate that size. 
So, you know, it, it can come down to you know, eighth of an inch, 30 seconds, something like that. Yeah, but I mean, when, you know, when you're working on the classic shapes too, you're, you know, uh, there's a reason, yeah, a billiard has a certain proportion, a bulldog's got a certain proportion that you, that the eye recognizes, and you've got to stay pretty traditionally close to those, otherwise it just looks off. Oh, does it ever. It makes a big difference. You know, if you were to add 230 seconds, so a 16th, to the shank diameter, you know, anywhere where the stem meets the shank or where the shank meets the bowl, that that's noticeable. Actually, the other tricky one is with the blasting, um, you ha- I have to make the block slightly larger, accounting for it to be blasted back. So usually the number I end up using is three 30 seconds or, or one and a half on either side. So I make the block three 30 seconds wider and then say one and a half longer on the front because with the blasting, that's usually what I find I come down to. And then I'll check too with calipers <clears throat> as the shape's been blasted in. And if I need to take a little more meat off, it's not a big deal at that point. I can I'll just brush it down. So those are all the little details that we as pipe smokers, we just look at it and go, yeah, the pipe looks good. But no, there's somebody, somebody in a workshop somewhere that's calculating how much wood is going to come off (laughs) to make it look right. (laughs) And then you hope the wood cooperates with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I find that, well, actually, so I find that, uh, I think it's also because I just enjoy working that way. I don't know what it is exactly. I, I sort of, the way I break the shapes down, <clears throat> I take a, a profile photo of the pipe and then I can scale that on uh, just on the computer, right? So I can scale it up a couple percent. So I'll scale it up, you know, print out a bunch of copies until I got the size that I want. And then that's, I use that as my template for my drawing. And, and I sort of have broken it down in an in a almost mechanical way. And uh, it just makes sense to me, and it seems to work. So that's what I do. All right. So wait a second. So you've got photos, and you maybe you got an iPad or something, and you if you want the pipe to be bigger, you just what pinch in and zoom it a little wider, and then print that out. Well, actually, it's on my website. Um, wait, let's plug my website. Yeah. www.parkspipes.com. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brian, I'm just joking. And, but anyways, uh, on my website in my galleries, all the pipe pictures, I, I basically have it down to, I think, three. Sometimes there's maybe five, but like there's three pictures, basically. So there's the profile from each side. So I'll print out uh, each profile, and I'll look to see which one I think looks best, which one looks most proportional. So I'll take that image, and then I'll take that image, and I'll adjust the size when I print it. You know, reduce it 10%, and then I'll measure it, the printout, and see what it is, and I'll reduce it another couple, usually 2% at a time. And, and that, you know, that way I can get, get myself to the exact size that I'm looking for. <laughs> There's a lot of details behind all this uh, little making of wood with two holes in it and a piece of plastic on it so that it smokes a pipe. Yeah, I know. It's possible mine are overdone, but it's, as I say, I seem to like it, and it seems to work, so I'm going with it. Yeah. It's possible it could be one of the reasons why 15 years later or so you're still a full-time pipe maker with a uh, 
backup of, uh, you know, about a year's worth of work ahead of you without any questions. So <laughs> I don't know. It might be working yeah, for yeah, you. Maybe. Yeah. It's working. Yeah. yeah. It's quite possible. <laughs> uh, what pipe shows are we, uh, what, what pipe shows do you usually attend? The, the last number of years, it's been predominantly the Chicago show only. Um, I'd love to get back to Vegas. Uh, let's see. I was in Columbus uh, about three years ago, but man, you know, I just, for me, it's, it's a lot to get myself to a pipe show from up here. You know, it's a lot of expense and more than the expense, it's the time, you know, the lead up time. And then, and then the kind of piecing together my life and workshop time when I return home. So it's, it's difficult for me to do a lot of shows because I was reading the, um, the Richmond show. It's, it's at the, uh, which tobacco factory is that, that they were hosting it at? It's at the Sutliff factory. Is it? It's at the Sutliff. That sounded like a cool venue, man. Yeah. Or the, uh, I heard, I heard the Briarworks show, the down in the Mule Town show that just happened. I heard it was a great show and they did, they had like 300 people, their, their first show. And I just, I looked it up online, the town. I was like, man, I want to go there. That's cool. <laughs> so yeah. I'm hoping, you know, that I can reach out to another show here and there from time to time, as well as Chicago. That's my standard. I'll be at Chicago every year till the very end. But you are called, you are very regimented about the time, you know, your, your time in the week and getting into the workshop and making sure that you are, you know, getting that time in and getting the work done. I feel like my wife has made me become like this, but yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's i've been focusing a lot on that and uh it's been working yeah well whatever you're doing just keep doing it because it's seven years later and you know the, and the pipes that i see of yours around occasionally look great and you know you got some you got some high praise from people that uh, know what they're doing it's uh i don't know whatever you're doing don't change it just keep doing it and keep making more pipes <laughs> Actually, it's the uh, it's the creative projects that are the trickiest ones. Those are the ones that can just devour time. You know, um, you get an idea. I had one last year. I made a pipe, and I was going to do a titanium accent, and I don't did not at that point have any experience turning titanium, which doesn't turn too badly, you know, for the record. But shaping it's tricky. Filing titanium is slow, and, and <laughs> wouldn't you know, I. I totally had, it was a, a diamond accent on a bulldog and I brought it right in to, to a shape. I had to sort of set the shape ahead of time. It's kind of hard to explain. The point of the story is I missed when it came time and I did the final measuring and added the other parts on, I had made the shape too small. Just like, ha, oh, you know, it, it, they, so these kind of more creative open-ended projects, they're the ones where it's really easy to, to lose. 15 hours or 10 hours, like a lot of time, you know, a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, yeah. These, these pipes don't just pop out of machines, do they? Absolutely not. No. Michael, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. These are slightly different than the ones you got a hundred years ago. Uh, but right, just, let me have it. Do <laughs> I win money? Is this for money? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. We only pay American contestants. Uh, Man, here yeah. we go. Okay. I I'm do ready. I'm ready anyways. I do have one gold loony here with your name on it the next time I see you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh what is your favorite pipe? 
I would say it's a bent billiard, and it it always has been. You know, it's what I smoke. I'm smoking one right now. Just uh, what would be that that Dunhill? What are they? The 120s? Yeah. The 121s or the 120s? I should know this as the expert, but I think you might know. That's a 120. 120 or 121. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Let's just say 120. That classic LC style bent billiard. I do some variations on that and something like that. A group three or four sandblast for me, that's a great smoking pipe. It's light. I can smoke while I work and do other things. And what is your favorite tobacco? Mm, it's always been the red ribbon, McCraney's red ribbon. Um, or the 5100 in bulk is good too. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's becoming uh, unobtainium these days. So if somebody wanted to move up the wait list a little faster, uh, no, 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 I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> what, is, <laughs> what, what is your favorite drink? My favorite drink? Mm, you mean alcoholic beverage? What is your favorite drink? Let's see. Okay, uh, the last two winners, I got into the PD Scotch whiskeys. I really enjoy the smoky ones. Um, and there's one that's uh, Campbelltons, Campbelltons or Campbelltowns, Campbelltowns single malt, sort of a, a white label with maybe like a peachy orange writing on it. <clears throat> and that was that was good stuff, like the Laphroaig, sweet PD. And I like it straight, no ice, just a little bit of that. That's a that's a nice drink for me. Just like a real man. Um, there we go. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Oof. I can't decide all three. It really depends. <laughs> I love music. I've, uh, I play records, and actually that's another hobby of mine. I frequent flea markets and antique shops and buy used vinyl records, and it's not what kind of music. I, all kinds. I, I love music, so that's something that we do a lot. I'm really lucky, actually. We will often play music while we're making dinner on the weekends and it's a real part of our life here. Um, so a lot of music, but I love flaking out watching a movie and I don't mind reading a book. You know, I read those, um, those vampire books for this summer. I kind of get like that with books. I don't read all the time, but I'll get onto one. So then the next thing you know, I read like four vampire books. Yeah. The, uh, Anne Rand, uh, Anne Rand, sorry. Anne Rice, uh, the Chronicles, the vampire Chronicles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit of all three, really. I can't choose a favorite. It, it seems like you're a little moody. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. A temperamental, moody Canadian artist. Um, there we go. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory of the past seven years? Jeez, that's a tough one. I know, because everything that you do with a pipe is a favorite memory. It has to be smoking at the shows. It has to be, you know, at uh, Chicago. The weather is often awesome. For me, it's it's the turnover from winter into warmer spring weather. And this year, for example, it was beautiful weather, you know, and we'll, and I will have worked so hard for two months solid. And then to be at the show, relaxing, people happy to see me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just sitting outside having a smoke in the sun with my buddies. It's, it's really, that's, that's gotta be my favorite. So it's not like an exact, like a single bowl, but those bowls in general are always the best. 
The website again is parks, P-A-R-K-S, pipes.com. There's a lot of great pictures of, uh, of pipes in your gallery and yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot, lot of good wood to drool at and, and look at there. So Michael, thank you very much for coming oh, back on. Brian, yeah. If I may, if I may. Yeah. yeah. Just, start, just rewind you on that. I'm also on Instagram at, uh, parks pipes and, uh, David Migdal from the Los Angeles Club was kind enough to start me my own hashtag, hashtag Parks Pipes. So you can follow me there as well. Well, Michael, thank you very much for coming on again. And you know, thanks again for, for being the first guest on the show when nobody had any idea what the hell I was doing, including me. Uh, I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'll see you in, uh, well... I'll see you when winter's over in Chicago next year. That sounds great, Brian, and thanks for having me. And I hope to be uh, on the show again in seven years. Let's, let's put that in the calendar. Oh, boy. All right. Here we go. <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Follow Michael Parks on uh, Instagram, and uh, you can follow me on Instagram, too. I'm there as well. All right, for music, I was digging around for uh, for Bing Crosby to kind of celebrate, and then I found this song called The San Fernando Valley, and I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. I, I grew up in the part that they don't make postcards of, and nobody shoots you know sexy movie scenes there, but... That's where I grew up, and so that's what you're going to get. Bing Crosby singing San Fernando Valley. Oh, I'm packing my grip, and I'm leaving today, because I'm taking a trip California way. I'm going to settle down and never more roam. And make the San Fernando Valley my home I'll forget my sins, yes, yes And the sundry friends Where the West begins And the sunset ends Cause I've decided where yours truly really ought to be And it's the San Fernando Valley for me I think that I'm safe in staying She will be waiting when my lonely journey is done And kindly old Reverend Thomas Made us a promise He'll make the two of us one So I'm hitting the trail To the cow country You can forward my mail Care of RFD I'm gonna settle down And never more roam and make the San Fernando Valley my home. I'm a packing my grip, yes, sir, and I'm leaving today. Cause I'm taking a trip California way. 
I'm gonna settle down and never, never more to roam And make the San Fernando Valley my home I'll forget my sins, yes sir I'll be making new friends Where the West begins and the sunset ends Cause I've decided where yours truly should be and it's the San Fernando Valley for me. I think that I'm safe in stating. She's going to be waiting when my lonely journey is done. And kindly old Reverend Thomas, he hit us with a promise. Says he's going to make the two of us one. So I'm hitting the trail to the cow country. You can forward my mail, Caravar FD. I'm gonna settle down and never more roam and make the San Fernando Valley my home. And make the San Fernando Valley my home. And make the San Fernando Valley my home. Well, that sings about the valley a long, long time ago. Three little words. You got mail. In the mailbag, remember you can post the comments right there on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com or you can email me directly, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. And going back to last week's show with William Shue, uh, Snow Three Year, Dino says, an absolutely lovely show. Your guests were so charming, and William's story is amazing. His pipes are quite beautiful and fairly priced. I really enjoyed the jazz selection. As always, an entertaining and informative hour that I look forward to each week. Seven years, wow, congrats, my friend. It's frightening to think that I've been with you all this time. Frightening, but quite wonderful. Thanks for all these shows, Dino. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Frightening that people are still listening to this um, and that I'm still doing this. And then Dillagast says uh, what Dino said. I have been to China many times with my pipe, and although their smoking restrictions now resemble the United States, I've found the people there are much less uptight about tobacco. There are still lots of places to smoke, and many upscale hotels have comfortable indoor smoking lounges. The Chinese people that I have met have been genuinely interested in my pipe and pipe tobacco, and your music selection was perfect for me. I played it three times in a row. I agree with you, Brian. Let's head to New Orleans and smoke our pipes while sitting in one of those beautiful outdoor courtyards listening to jazz and enjoying a cocktail. Talk about a favorite pipe smoking memory. Hey, maybe there's a trip in there. That might be fun. Uh, Casey Ghost says, this was a terrific show. William and his wife, Jerry, uh, pipes were both, uh, very charming. I thought Brian's patience in dealing with their occasional language lapses was almost a primer to all of us who don't deal with language barriers. Kudos to him. Congratulations on your seven year anniversary. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I always remember when I'm dealing with people that don't speak English as a first language, I don't speak any other language as a second. And I barely speak English as a first. Uh, and uh, all right, coming up. Uh, so I understand the uh, KC Pipe Show last weekend was a uh, success. Everybody had a good time. And there's a new seven uh, new American Pipe Carvers seven day set. So you'll uh, poke around the interwebs. You'll find that. Uh, in two weeks, you will see me at the Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers show 
at the Sutliff Tobacco Factory. It's still not too late to uh, make your plans to come and join us. Uh, Perry Jensen, Russ Willette, a whole bunch of folks are going to be there with blending seminars and vendors, and it's going to be a good time. I am looking forward to it. Uh, next week's show, pre-recorded, because I'm going back to Disney World again. Long story, but uh, part of being a travel agent. And uh, speaking of travel agent, cruise lines have dropped a handful of deals coming up in the next three, four months. So if you're thinking about a uh, winter getaway to warmer weather, let me know. Brian.Levine at mei-travel.com. There you go. All right. And instead of a rant, we've got a rave coming up in just a minute. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corn Cob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corn cob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And instead of a rant, I want to take this time, and I should do this annually, to be uh, thankful for all of you that listen to the show. Your time is important, and you sit back with me and allow me to take up an hour of your day. And, uh, you know, they used to say on TV, welcoming you into your homes while you welcome me into your head through whatever audio device you're listening to. But... Yeah, I know your time is important, and we try to give you a great show every week. Some are better than others, but I'm thankful that you give us your time to sit down with us, enjoy a pipe, and listen to what we have to say for the Pipes Magazine radio show for the next week. Um, I'm thankful to our advertisers, Missouri Meerschaum. Smokingpipes.com, Cornell and Deal, and Savinelli. Without them, the show wouldn't be possible. They've been with us for a long time. I mean, going all the way back and really appreciate that. That's why all those episodes are sitting there available for you. And we're able to keep the show going. So thank you to them. To our guests that come on the show, I really do appreciate you putting your uh, career or your <laughs> your uh, reputation on the line by allowing me to record you and then allow me to edit you, and that's a lot of trust, and I really do appreciate that, and I really do uh, take that... Uh, Take that uh, that responsibility heavily and heartily, and uh, try to you know, make sure that everybody is the get the best guest possible. Um, and personally, you know, thank you to Kevin Godby for uh, coming up with the idea, picking me, and allowing me to kind of uh, run with it and really <laughs> leave me unleashed, and for tolerating me when I can be in my uh, bitchy mood sometimes, which can be possible. Uh, I'm just saying. But, uh, you know, for seven long years we've been doing this, and we don't get together that often, but we do get to chat once a week or so, and, 
Yeah, he's kind of let me have my own way with this little show on his uh, on his website. So, thanks to Kevin and to uh, Laurie. Thank you for uh, you know calming Kevin down and uh, making him uh, more easily uh, able to deal with me when I'm in my little mood. So, uh, but most of all, again. Thank you all for tuning in. I really do mean it. Thanks to Michael Parks for joining me. Again, thank you to you, the listeners, for all your years you. of support. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Darn it, that jackass almost made me cry.